Welcome to Evangel Church Online, a safe place for everyone to explore faith in Jesus, receive his love, and look more and more like him each day. Today we're going to be talking about community. Why do you need it? Lone Rangers out there, I admit I am fully a Lone Ranger type. I am naturally kind of inclined towards introversion and I'm a perfectionist. Put those things together, it's a perfect storm for wanting to do everything, all the things, all by myself. But there's more to my Lone Ranger story. I remember very vividly a moment in grade six when kind of the church my parents were pastoring in, things weren't going so well. We were gonna be moving out of that town and I had multiple of my friends in grade six come and let me know that their parents had decided we could no longer be friends. We were no longer allowed to hang out together or play together. And I remember making a decision in that moment in that uh, like kind of preteen time and it was totally subconscious. It's taken years of kind of working through it to come back to that moment I made this decision. It was safer to be alone. It's easier to just not have friends. You didn't have to worry about your heart being broken. You didn't have to worry about those moments where you were kind of blindsided. It was just safer and simpler to not have friends. It's safer and simpler to be a Lone Ranger, to go it by myself. And it has taken very intentional decision to come to a place where I recognize and now have to very intentionally make investments into relationships with other people because my natural bend just with my personality added to that moment of hurt has lied to me through my entire life that it's just easier to go about life in isolation and independence. But that is not the truth. That is not God's heart for us. God's heart for us is not a lone ranger life. God's heart for us is that we would find the richness and fullness of community. And that's the value that we're gonna be leaning into this morning. Our value statement around community is you were made for community, welcome home. That is God's heart for you and for me. So let's pray and then let's dive into why do we need community in the first place. So God, I thank you so much that your heart for us is that we would have relationship with you, that the two of us together, we would be community, that you've made a way for us to have a friendship with God, to have a relationship with God. But you've spoken over and over and over in your word to us about how we need community with others as well. You say that a three-stranded cord is not easily broken, that we would have community with others and with you, and that that brings such strength and richness and fullness to our lives. And so this morning, God, would you open our eyes to the truth of how much you have created us to need one another? Would you allow this to be a place of freedom and healing for those like me who have been hurt in community, who find it hard to trust and open, or just 
stuck in that belief that it's easier and safer and better to go it alone. So Spirit of Truth, would you go before us right now? Would you open our hearts and our minds to the truth of your word? Would you convince us that your way for our life is best? As always, Holy Spirit, we want to hear you speak. So would you allow just my own words to <laughs> float away? But would that which is birthed by your spirit, would that go forth? Because you change lives in your precious name. Amen. Well, we're going to be turning to Hebrews 10 this morning. Hebrews 10, specifically verses 24 and 25. So if you have your Bibles, flip with me there. Um, but if you don't have a Bible, we would love to help you get one. If you head on over to myevangel.church forward slash Bible, right there, there's a way that you can get a digital Bible. You can get a print Bible. All the things are right over there. Hebrews 10 verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. God's heart for the church, God's heart for people was and still is community. His heart for us was and still is that we would find the richness of connection with each other. And he's made that exceedingly plain in the Bible. I want to give you just a little excerpt of some of the each other instructions we've been given in the Bible. Admonish one another, be devoted to one another, be kind and compassionate to one another, bear one another's burdens, build up one another, care for one another, comfort one another, confess your faults to one another, encourage one another, exhort one another, forgive one another, honor one another above yourselves, live in harmony with one another, look to the interests of one another, love one another, pray for one another, serve one another, show hospitality to one another, submit to one another, teach one another. That's a lot of one another's. It's feeling a little bit like a tongue twister, but this isn't all of them. In fact, one another is used 100 times in the New Testament. Community, being one another, is incredibly important to God. In Genesis 2, we come to this tail end of the creation narrative. God has made, you know, the sky and the sea and the birds and the fish and the animals and the planets and all of the things. And he makes Adam. And we get this glimpse in Genesis 2, verses 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. And this is interesting because this is the very first time in all of the creation account that God says something is not good. He has said that it's good and he has said that it is very good. That he's looked out on everything that he's made and he's pleased with it until this very moment where God sees Adam in isolation and independence and he looks at him and he says, it is not good. I'm not pleased with this moment. Moment, I have something better for you. Our desire for relationship, our desire for community, for friendships, even those feelings of loneliness, those are divinely created within us because we were never meant to be alone. God's heart for us when we are in isolation, we're in independence, when we're in that lone ranger lifestyle is that he looks at us and he says, it's not good. 
I'm not pleased right now. This isn't how you were created. This isn't how you were designed. I have something better for you. Eugene Peterson wrote, spirituality is not an activity that can be undertaken in isolation. Yes, spiritual formation is personal, but it is not individual. Spiritual growth only happens in community. We were created for it. We were created for deep intimacy with one another, to be completely known and to be safe. That's true community and that's what God's heart is for faith community. That's what God's heart is for you as you look around you. You were made for this. You are made for community and for the life that is found in relationship because we really can't do this spiritual journey or this life alone. We need one another. We rely on them. That's God's heart for us, that we would carry each other's burdens, that we would celebrate each other and we would shore each other up in weakness, that we would rely on one another. That's what God designed us to be able to do. Our lives aren't our own. But we've been fed this lie right now in this hyper-individual, completely self-centric world that we live in that we should just look out for number one. That self-care is the highest thing that we can attain. That when we are completely happy within our own skin, when we are completely at peace with us and us alone and completely content with our own company, that somehow we've attained that which is like God-like in our society. But that's a lie. Our lives aren't our own. We weren't meant for us alone and we won't be comfortable in our own skin or content just with our own company because we were never created to do this life alone. That is not good. And it's in fact even dangerous. As we you know, kind of come to this place where we decide that we don't need anyone and, and we don't need to listen to anyone and we know best for me. That leads us to a life that's full of potholes and hurt and blind spots because we can't see all of the angles of our own life. We need each other. We need community. You are made for community. You know, there's a saying that we use often. I tried to see who said it and I couldn't find that. So if you know who the author actually is, please post it down in the comments. But the beginning half of the saying says, we each need those who will pump our tires. We each need those who will inflate us when we're flat. And Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 really speaks to this. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching, all the more the further we get in history and the closer we get to the end of time and to Jesus returning. We need community around us that on those days when we have nothing left, we have a place to turn, those safe spaces to run to for encouragement. And this word that we have for encouragement in Hebrews 10.25 is this beautiful blending of two words. We have encouragement, but 
is not just encouragement in the Greek. It's this blending of encouragement or exhortation, which is just urging someone onto something specific and comfort. Isn't that beautiful? That encouragement isn't just that I'm coming alongside you and like patting you on the back. It's this comforting. It's this holding each other up as we spur each other on to what we've been called to do. And that word is parakaleo. I'm hoping that I didn't just butcher that. If you speak Greek, I'm sorry. Parakaleo. And that sounds familiar, doesn't it? And it should, because it's very closely tied to parakletos, the Holy Spirit, and what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. We extend that which we are receiving from God himself to one another. That's what Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 is speaking of. It's this coming alongside and building each other up, but not just a vain inflation, not just, you know, I'm coming alongside and I'm just saying like nonsense trifles that are going to make you feel better about yourself. No, there's this assumption built into this word that we ourselves are receiving from God and from the Holy Spirit on each other's behalf, that we are praying for one another, that we're hearing from God, and that when we are speaking into each other, when we're building each other up, when we're encouraging in that way, we're not just doing it with empty words, but we're speaking life and we're speaking the heartbeat of God over and into that person, that we're building up for a purpose. Because in this word that's so totally tied to the character of the Holy Spirit, we're acknowledging that our lives are not our own and that the person we're speaking into and encouraging that their life is not their own, that together we've been called at such a time as this to build something for the kingdom of God that's bigger than us, that will outlast us, something that's being birthed and directed by the Spirit of God. And so we come alongside one another and we spur each other on in the direction that God is calling us to. And that direction for all of us is the same direction. We're running forward. We're being pulled towards the things that God has for us in community. And because we're all running in the same direction and I'm not running right while you're running left, it allows us to have eyes for one another that see when someone is lagging behind, when someone has tripped and fallen when somebody has a cramp in their side and it feels like they're just ready to give up. And that's when this encouragement in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 comes into play. That as they're running the race and they start to slow down or lag behind or fatigue sets in, injury sets in, pain sets in, that because we're all running together, all of a sudden, as I look over, they're not there. I can slow my pace and come behind, come beside, lift up, lend strength, and encourage each other to go towards the goal that God has set out before us. We need those who will pump our tires, that when we're flat, when we're defeated and we're feeling deflated, that we have those who come alongside us and speak life and encouragement and comfort into those moments and help us have the strength to move forward. 
But the second half of that saying goes, we also need those who will check our tires for leaks. And we've said it often, not everyone needs to know your story, but somebody does. Because we each need those who will check our tire for leaks. We don't need to air all of our weaknesses and all of our failings and all of our sins and all of our doubts to every person we come into contact with. We don't, but we need to share them with a few. There's safety and strength and healing that comes when we confess our sins to one another. This is the gift of community. The gift of community is that we look out for one another. And when we notice that that tire is starting to lose air, we come alongside in love and concern. The gift of community is accountability. The gift of community is choosing humility to be authentically ourselves, to share all of the bad, the ugly, and the worst with people who care enough to stay with us when we do. We need this kind of relationship. We need this kind of accountability because it's too easy to veer off track on our own. It's too easy to allow our life experience to dictate the character of God to us rather than the character of God shaping how we respond to life experiences. It's too easy to justify our own sin and it's too easy to be completely unaware of blind spots. Things that we just don't know about ourselves or, or haven't considered. Or maybe we're just unaware of how they come off to other people. And so God gave us this wonderful gift, community, family, who would love us so much that they would be provoked by the Spirit of God to help us stay on track. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. We need that accountability. We need someone to come alongside and help us get to the finish line, checking in with us, loving us enough to take time out of their own lives to invest in us. That's the gift of community to one another. But there's this belief that's kind of floating around our world again, just like that hyper uh, self-centric, hyper individualistic thing. And that is that you get to do you and I get to do me and I should just allow you to live your own truth. There's this idea that the loving thing is just to sit in silence and allow somebody's life to completely implode if that's what happens because the loving thing is to never speak up. The loving thing is to never intervene. The loving thing is to never argue. But friends, that's not love. Love reaches out to one another. Love calls the person on the other side to more. And I can understand the hesitation. I really can. We don't want to come across as legalistic because sometimes there are just differences of perspective that have nothing to do with truth. They're just differences of perspective. Like I don't like seafood. It's not wrong to not like seafood. And, and so I can understand the hesitation as somebody who often is told, just try another piece of this fish. I'm sure you'll like it this time. I can understand. I know that's a silly example, 
for a much bigger issue. I can understand not wanting to come across as judgy, of wanting to come across in a spirit of love as, as God loves us. I can understand not wanting to hurt the people that we care about. I completely understand. But here's the difference. Legalism, it points out sin. Love calls people to Jesus. Kind of think of it as if you were wearing a beautiful outfit, maybe white. I'm a very visual uh, person when I think, I see things uh, like pictures more than, I don't know, any other kind of learning style. And what I kind of see the difference of is legalism wants to separate themselves from the sin. I don't want to get dirty in any way. And so I'm going to point and demand that you get clean before we can interact. Because there's nothing about your life that I want to rub off on my beautiful, clean, white outfit. And so legalism demands that we put up walls. Legalism demands that if I come into contact with you and you're wearing your beautiful white, that I need to fake it. I need to figure out how I can hide my dusty, sinful self. Legalism um, hurts intimacy because it demands a facade. It demands that we have separation. Where love comes along, and love comes along in that same beautiful white outfit. But instead of demanding that you get clean before we can have a relationship, love bends down into the mess, into the dirt. Love wraps their arms around you in spite of it, pulls you up and doesn't let go as they walk with you to the foot of the cross, to Jesus. Love surrounds you in grace, even as it leads you to truth. It allows intimacy to grow. His love doesn't demand that you put on a false exterior. Love doesn't demand that you do anything first. Love just chooses to bring you once again to the God who's able to change us. Allowing people to sit in their sin, that's not love. Love desires the best for each other, so why? Why, when we know the outcomes of sin, why, when we know the consequences of it, would we allow people to be prolonged in it? just waiting for death and destruction. That's not love. Love sees the potential and the purpose. I can't say that I love somebody and then allow them to implode. I can't say that I love someone and allow them to self-destruct. That's not love. That's passivity. That's avoiding healthy conflict. And so I pray for us that we would be a church that loves one another so much that we get down in the dust to wrap arms of grace around people and lift them up as we walk together to the truth of Jesus. In empathy, 
I pray that we are a church that's completely covered in dust because we don't stand back until people have figured out their lives, but we're people who enter in. And when you're going through a hard time, I sit down in the dust beside you. And when I'm going through a hard time, you sit down in the dust beside me. And together we spur each other on to the best that God has for both of us. Who do you have holding you accountable? Who bends down in the dust beside you? And if you don't know who that is, would you ask the Holy Spirit to help you find community, to lean into relationship? That would do that. That would guard your blind spots. That would pump your tires when they need to be pumped and would check them for leaks when they need to be checked. You are made for community. Welcome home. Community can be messy. And even while we were made for it, that is still the truth. We have these beautiful examples in the Bible of what the church can and should be. And we have very warning uh, moments in the Bible that show what the church can and should not be. We know that our brokenness and our sin can destroy the fragile thread of relationships and community. In 2 Corinthians 12, 20, we hear, For I am afraid that when I come, I may not find you as I want you to be, and you may not find me as you want me to be. I fear that there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. And if we're really honest for a moment, we've all fed those into community. Each and every one of us has been in that list in one way or another. And if we're honest, the only way for a perfect community to exist is to have no community. Because I'm imperfect and so are you. And so the moment we bring even one person to the table with their imperfections, perfect community is out the window. The only way for a perfect community is to not have one. But you were made for community. You were made for community, imperfections and all. The risk for hurt and all, you were made for it. Welcome home. There's something fascinating that happens at home. At least in a healthy home, you're safe to be exactly as you are. Have you experienced that? Where you're having a bad day and somehow you get through the whole thing being perfectly civil to every single person you interact with, but you get home and all of that bad day just spirals out into grumpiness. You just wanna throw your hair up, get into those pajamas and nobody talk to me because I'm having a bad day. And you're loved still. You're allowed to be there, bad day and all. 
There's this phenomenon that happens where you're safe to be exactly as you are. There's this phenomenon that happens that you are loved in spite of your best day and in spite of your worst. Home is a place of belonging, just as you are. But home is also a place to grow and to be challenged and to find what it looks like to serve one another. Home is a place where we're concerned for one another. Even when we can't stand each other at times, we're concerned. Home is a place where people fight for you and they fight alongside you. Welcome home. Home's not a place where it's perfect, but our, our prayer for this community is that it would be home. Again, not perfect because none of us are, but even in the imperfections, it can be a place of safety. It can be a place where you are loved in spite of your best day and in spite of your worst. Our faith community can be a place where we are fought for and fought alongside. A place where you are loved and you are loved enough to be brought with arms of grace wrapped around you to the truth of Jesus. A place that has grace on those days where you come in with hair up and pajamas on and don't talk to me, I'm having a bad day moments. A place that doesn't expect fake smiles, that doesn't expect facades, a place where you are loved as you are and loved too much to leave you as you are. A place where in love you're spurred on to look more and more like Jesus each day. You were made for this, and so was I. You were made for community. Welcome home. I pray that in faith community, the one God has already set up for you because it's his heart and his design for you, that he'd look upon it and say, this right here, this is good. Let's pray. So God, I thank you for your heart for us. It is one of connection and community. Would you forgive us for the times when we have shut community down by being too independent or hyper-focused on ourselves, by words spoken in haste or anger, or in an attitude that doesn't reflect your heart and allowing busyness, all those other just normal things of life to take precedent over leaning into community. Would you forgive us? Would you allow this to be a place where your heart for community would reign? And it would be a place where when we're feeling deflated, our tires would be filled with encouragement and comfort. But a place where we would also love each other enough to be looking out for one another, to point out when our tires have leaks. Not in a spirit that builds walls, 
but in one that wraps arms of grace around each other, gets down in the dirt to pick each other up and walk towards the truth of who you are and what your word says. Would you allow this to be a place of safety, a place of love, a place that's home? That each of us would know that we are surrounded. We're surrounded by you first and foremost, but we're surrounded by people who care, who aren't standing at arm's length, but are spurring us on to all you have in your precious name.